Good word. Good testimony. Yes? Amen. How's everybody tonight? God is good. <clears throat> you know, um, I was thinking about a passage of Scripture as they were sharing. Um, it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 1, and it says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days, giving a serving to seven, also to eight. For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know how the works of God who makes everything in, in the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Truly, the light is sweet. And you know, I'm not talking about that, but as they were talking tonight, I was thinking that when you become a tither and a seed sower in life, you don't fear life. You don't fear. It, do, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's the governor of your state. I mean, we're going to fight for the right people. We, want, we have convictions about right people. But we're not in fear in this earth. Why? Because we know the economy and how God operates. There's the economy of God and there's the economy of the world's systems. Right? And the Bible's very clear about it. And the devil is the God of the systems out there. That's where he operates. He deceives people that don't know God. But I don't know about you, but the economy that I live under is the economy of God. Amen? I live in the world, but I'm not of this world. I'm of another world. Amen? I, I come from another place. I was born a second time. If you were only born once and not a second time, then you're of this place. But I was born, and you got to be of this place first before you can be of the second place, right? But when I was born again, I was born a second time, and now I'm connected to a place called heaven, amen? That's my destiny, but that's where my life is now, see? And God's economy operates on faith. See, God's economy is not about Federal Reserve notes. There are none in heaven. Everybody say amen to that. Amen? He deals in gold and silver and diamonds. There are whole doors that are a pearl. The, the, the Bible says there are doors that are a whole pearl. Think of, think of the shell that thing came out of. huh? A whole door being the size of a pearl. The, the, that's, that's how God's economy operates. He doesn't deal in Federal Reserve notes. You know, I mean, they're pretty handy down here. I don't know about you, but I, but I think they're pretty handy down here. But that's not where my faith is. My faith is in God. And when you become a tither and a seed sower, see, you're tapping the economy of God, and you're believing that God has the ability to do things in the natural realm that are not normal with natural ways. In other words, the super gets on what we do in the natural, and then we begin to live supernatural lives in this natural world. And that's what tithing and seed sowing produces. So you don't know what's going to come, but when you're a tither and a seed sower because you want to be, see, then God's economy is what will kick in when the rest of the world is suffering. And I've seen it. I've been, I've been saved for over 38 years, and in 38 years I can tell you I've gone through many different things that the rest of the world went through, and it didn't affect me the way it affected the rest of the world. See, because, because if you're connected to God, you're not a connected to the system. You live in it, you operate in it, you operate according to the laws of the land. The Bible says obey the laws of the land. You pay your taxes, you do the things that you're supposed to do, but I'm not connected to that system. I'm connected to a greater system, and that's what tithing and seed sowing opens the door to. Amen? That's where I live. How about you? Amen? That was a good word, good testimony of just great things that happen. I, I, you know what? I don't care how much money that I have. I never want to live outside of faith. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much excess I have. I never want to get to a place where I trust in money 
or I trust in things. I want my trust and my faith in God. Amen? So, this will, that's not what we're going to talk about tonight. Kind of isn't, but it, it, it actually will touch it a little bit. So, this summer, we've been doing, we've been preaching summer reruns, reruns of messages in 2016 and 2015, and, and just sharing different truths from the Word that we've already taught, but that we don't know like we need to know it. You know, the Bible's real clear about that. You may think you know something, but you don't know it like you need to know it. So I've taken messages throughout the summer, and we've called them summer reruns. And I've, you know, most of my series are three to five, sometimes six messages, six Sundays. And so we've taken those on Sundays and Wednesdays and, and taken one message out of about four or five or six. And so tonight, I, I, I taught... Uh, a series back in 2015. I taught one in 2016 on fear, but I taught a series entitled Fear Free, being free from fear. And I taught that in 2015, and so we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, I don't, I don't you, you know from this pulpit we don't spend a lot of time on political issues, but I want to talk about something that's going to connect with my message tonight um, in regards to uh, the Republican convention. Okay, just something that happened. I was watching some of the Republican convention this, this week, and um, Donald Trump's wife gave a really great speech. Did anybody see it? Raise your hand if you saw or you heard her speech or you saw replays of some of it or whatever. <clears throat> and um, in her speech... Um, the media took her speech. Now, whether you like them or not, this isn't about Republican or Democrat. It's just something I heard. And it kind of troubled me because in her speech, she quoted President Obama's wife, Michelle. She quoted her several times and repeated things that she said. And the reason, in some interview that I heard her just for like just a small brief second, she said she likes her and likes the way she holds herself and, and speaks and talks. And she liked a number of the things that, that she gave in, in her acceptance speech as the, the potential first lady at the convention, I think it was the first one in 2000, in 08. Yeah, in 08 or yeah, 09, whatever it was. And, um, and so Donald Trump's wife really liked that. And, uh, and the media just hammered her over copying something that someone else said (laughs) and I thought if I could operate from my unrenewed self I'm telling you I could be really ugly I could hammer people and I could be on every social media site and just give them a piece of my mind and tell them all kinds of things when I hear stupid things. You realize there's not one original thought on planet Earth today? Not one. Nothing originated from you or anybody else. The word I'm preaching to you tonight, in over 38 years of salvation, this word that has come together through scriptures, I've heard pieces of messages preached from probably, no no telling, a hundred different directions that have helped me to be able to take ownership of this message and preach it. And if copying, plagiarizing somebody else's words is wrong then you're looking at a crooked pastor because i've heard i if i've heard one message literally i've heard probably in my lifetime tens of thousands of messages and when i listen to those messages i take notes and i write them down and i go study that word and then i study the word for myself to where the message i'm preaching tonight I kind of feel like I've never heard anybody preach this before. What I'm going to say to you tonight, what I'm going to talk to you about tonight, I, I don't feel like I've ever heard anybody preach it quite like I'm going to preach it. 
But I, tell, I, I promise you, it's from over 10,000 plus messages that I've heard and notes that I've taken that I've made part of me. That's the way it works. So how idiotic, how idiotic. I, I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat that, that, that did something like that. I just thought to myself, you know, you don't hear me talk much political stuff, but I just had to tell you tonight, I thought that was really stupid. Okay, now I'm going to get to my word. <clears throat> so, being free from fear and, and really understanding that. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound and a well-balanced mind. God has not given you and I a spirit of fear. If God hasn't given us fear, then we don't have to take fear. We don't have to be afraid. But one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to identify what fear is, what it looks like, and give it no place. And tonight I'm going to talk to you about several things that I think are really, really vitally important about understanding how to live free from fear. And to do that, you have to live in faith. Faith is the reciprocal of fear. Fear is the reciprocal of faith. And to live apart from one, you have to be filled up with the other. So you have to understand how both of them operate, but your focus has to be on the one that you're going to give attention to. I'm not giving attention to fear. I give fear no place in my life. God hasn't given me fear. I don't receive it. Can you say amen to that? So, Tonight I want to look at a couple things that I think rob people from living a life of faith. There, there are several things, and most of it has to do with your five physical senses. Most of it has to do with what you see and what you hear. So tonight, I, I'm just, just follow me in a number of scriptures, and we're going to start in 2 Timothy 3. And I'm going to read verse 1, and I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. They should have it on the screen, but I want to read it out of the Amplified. <clears throat> and it says this. But understand this, that in the last days, and I'll just say in the days that we're living in, will come, set in, perilous times of great stress, and trouble, hard to deal with, and hard to bear. Let's read it again. He said, understand this. What does that mean? You need to understand that, a lot of the, that, that out there, there's a lot of difficulties, and there, there's, a, there's a lot of pressing, there's a lot of issues in life out there, and you need to understand that this is going to happen. Perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. That's what's out there. That's what's in the world that you and I live in. Okay? So we got to settle that and realize that. In John chapter, in John chapter 14 and verse 1, it says something similar. But it starts talking about what you and I have to do ourselves. He said, verse 1 of John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. Verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, in this, in, in this passage, in both of these, in verse 1 and verse 27, who, who is he talking to? Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to you. See, if you're reading the Bible and you're looking at that verse of Scripture, then he's talking to you. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. And he said, 
receive the peace that I've given you. When we taught this series and taught on this, I talked for a long time on the peace of the world, which is conditional, versus the peace of God, which He's given us. And notice, it didn't say He just gave us any kind of peace. He gave us His peace. The Bible says that the chastisement of His peace was on us, so you and I have a right to live and operate in that peace, and fear doesn't have to overtake us. But, in these two passages of Scripture, Jesus is telling you and I that we have got to not allow our hearts to be troubled. He's saying it to you and I. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be afraid. Do not allow trouble that 2 Timothy 3.1 said, in the last days there's going to be trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. And let, do, do not let that trouble affect you. A lot of times in life, we, we, get, under trouble, we get under stress and, and, and trouble, and, and, it's, and it presses us. And a lot of times, what happens because of the fear, a lot of times we'll find ourselves wanting to blame people and blame others, blame our spouse, blame friends, blame family members, blame people at work, blame this, that. We, 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 a lot of times our human nature wants to find a way to deal with how we're feeling instead of dealing with it. Instead of facing it off and addressing it and letting the fear and the trouble let it know that it's not going to have any place in my home, in my life. I'm not allowing fear and trouble to rule in, in the things that go on in my life. Now, in the world, there's great trouble. But in God and in His Word and in revelation from God, in that world is a totally different world that you and I have to understand how to live and operate in. So, in saying that, I want you to follow me with a, with a couple of different verses of Scripture. In 1 John, the little John's in the back, 3rd chapter in the 20th verse, it says this. So, we just read Jesus saying, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but the peace that I give is lasting and it's going to make a difference in your life. Receive that. And in 1 John 3 and verse 20, it says this, For if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart, and He knows all things. Um, I've noticed just in life, and as I've gone on for over 38 years of a born-again life, and as I've developed and grown and grown out of things, grown out of childish things and elementary things, stuff that, that bothered me at different times that shouldn't have bothered me, and you think if you're grown up and you live in a grown-up body that you shouldn't be bothered by the different things. No, no, it's, it's, it's a tough world. It, it's, a, it's a world with a lot of pressure and a lot of things coming after you. And... We have to realize that our heart is what we have to protect. And your heart is not your, your blood-pumping heart. The heart he's talking about here is the spiritual part of you. It's the center part of you. It's the part of you that's been born again. It's the part of you that, that is, there, there, there's no contamination allowed in your spirit. There is no, God doesn't share with your human spirit and his spirit along with the devil it's not this 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 threesome no your spirit and the holy spirit are one but your heart your spirit cannot grow up if in the natural realm we don't deal with the fears that attack our soul our mind will and emotions you and i are a three-part being if you've been around this place much we've talked lots about it we're a three-part being, but there has to be an understanding of how each of those parts operate so that we don't let 
certain parts that the enemy does have access into affect our lives and keep our spirit man from maturing. To guard your heart is to guard the word that gets into your spirit not to be robbed and stolen from because of circumstances, because of fears and the trouble that's in the world. There's a lot of trouble. I'm telling you, there's a lot of trouble out there. There's a lot of stuff out there. But notice Jesus said, do not allow your heart to be troubled. And how do you do that? By believing in God and believing in what Jesus has accomplished. See, there has to be, you're going to be believing in something. If tomorrow you were watching the news, and let's say you were watching Fox or CNN News, and they said that San Antonio and Kerrville and Austin area was being attacked by, you know, some outside source. Some other country was attacking Kerrville and San Antonio and the Austin Hill Country area. And that, you know, the news was saying that bombs were going to be landing in this area and, and, th- and, and people and hundreds of thousands of people were going to be blown up and their lo- lives were going to be lost. What would you do? I mean, things like that happen in Israel every day. Things like that happen in cities in the Middle East every day. Things like that happen in, in, in war-torn countries right now, in, in Syria and in, in, in different countries. Things like that are going on all the time in other countries. What would you do? The Bible says in these days in which we're living in, they're going to be tough times. What would you do? Where would your heart be? Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Whose responsibility is that? yours so when reports come about things that are going to happen do we stick our head in the sand and act like it the news media didn't say that no no okay we hear something is going on what what do we have the ability to do we have the ability to pray in the spirit and to pray in the understanding and to understand what god wants to do see and and if we always revert to the flesh and we always just listen to what everybody else is saying and what the news is saying and we never learn to hear the voice of god from scripture then you'll never have the ability to let your heart not be troubled. Notice, it didn't say, go get 15 friends and try to calm your heart down. It said you. Hmm? And did it say that you have to be calm in your own ability? No. He said, my peace, Jesus said, my peace I give to you tested and tried peace I give to you. Peace that really works I give to you. See, I I don't have to be at peace on my own. I get to be at peace with the peace of Jesus. The chastisement of my peace was on Him and, and, and by His stripes I'm healed in every way, physically, mentally, emotionally. I can be calm. I can overcome no matter what comes. Does the Bible say that the little scenario that I just gave, does the Bible say that'll never happen here? No, it didn't say that. We thought it would never happen in New York City. Did it happen? Yeah. I'm not advocating that bad things are going to happen in the hill country. I'm saying, what will you do What are you doing now before something like that happens or the potential of something like that? What are we doing now in practicing living in the peace of God and the rest of God and the assurance and the trust of God today or are we moved by every little thing that goes on? I mean, if every time something in your life happens, if, you know, some unexpected thing breaks in your house and you freak out because it's going to cost you money, how would you handle something like a report like that? Well, Pastor, that, that'll never happen here. Don't ever say n- n- that something's never going to happen. Well, see, it's not about what's not going to happen. What our focus has to be on is what's already happened. See, what's already happened is Jesus died, he rose, and he's empowered us, and he's given us the victory to overcome every situation that we face. In the world, in the last days, there's going to be trouble hard to deal with and hard to bear. That's not a bad confession. That's the absolute truth of the Word of God, New Testament truth. 
And Jesus said on that side of the cross, encouraging his disciples, let not your heart be troubled with things that you hear and see and stuff that's going on. Do not be moved and troubled by it. What I was sharing with you about that, that speech at the convention, you know, I mean, that irritated me. It irritated me because people are like accusing her of copying somebody's speeches like, what's original? What's original? Everybody does it. Everybody does it. And they're trying to focus on something that's not even true. You say, well, maybe they copy. Yeah, but everything's free. Right? Every bit of information that's out there on social media is free. You can take it and reword it and say it however you wanted to say it. So would it have been better if what she had said would have been processed a little and not used the exact? Yeah, that, that would have probably been better, but still saying the same thing. Right? Because she admired someone and said something. I, I, there's a lot of guys that preach the word that I admire today, and I'll listen to their words, and, and God will challenge me about something to preach, and, and I'll take what they said, and I'll repeat it just like they said it. Because why try to make it even better when what they said was so good? I'm, I'm not embarrassed of that. But what's vital is that we take the things that we hear and make it a part of, our, of ourselves. That it's something I'm preaching from my heart. Because when you have it in your heart, then your heart won't be troubled. When things come and things happen and things manifest in the world, my heart won't be troubled. Why? Because my faith and my trust and my confidence is in God. I declare today I'm fear-free. How about you? Say it. I'm fear-free. Okay? You need to hear yourself say that. You need to declare that over yourself, and you need to be a recipient of that by living a life of faith and confidence and trust that what God says is true is true. Absolutely. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 14 and Romans chapter 10 and verse 6 say the same thing. This is what Moses encouraged the children of Israel that were going into the promised land. Deuteronomy is like the last will and testament of Moses to the children of Israel that were going into the promised land. And in verse 14 of chapter 30 in Deuteronomy, Moses says this, but the word, well back up to uh, uh, verse 11, for this commandment, which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the Word, the Word of God, is very near you, and it's in your mouth and in your heart. Everybody say, my mouth and my heart. That what? That you may do it. The word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Now look at Romans 10. And the Apostle Paul is repeating this passage of Scripture to, to the church. I mean, this is to the church. This is on the other side of the cross. And he says this, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everybody who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man that does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you in your mouth. And it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. The word is near you in your mouth and where? In your heart. That's where it should be. To be a person that is free from fear, the word of God has got to be in your heart as a result of the word of God coming out of your mouth. Right? He said here, so when we have a problem, what do we do? Do we go and beg Jesus to come back down or beg Jesus to come back up 
No, he already came down and he already came up. And then he went back up and ascended to the right hand of the Father, sat down at the right hand of the Father in all authority and dominion, and he said, it's finished. And now he's saying to us that the word that we need to overcome every situation that we face is already in our heart as a result of what we say out of our mouth. See, if I'm always talking the problem, then fear is going to riddle my life. If I'm always talking the word, then what's going to happen is it will help to renew my mind so that I can rise up in faith and make a difference. Listen to me. Confession on a day-to-day basis of the Word of God. If you, if you have things that you say, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God be for me, then nobody can be against me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and going out, ready for anything and equal to anything through Christ Jesus. For He always causes me to triumph. On and on and on. The things that you say out of your mouth, those things are not to change circumstances around you. They're to change you. See, you speak first and foremost confessions over yourself so that your thinking lines up with God instead of your thinking lining up with what the news says and what the media says and what people out there in the world say. The world has one idea. God has a totally different. The reason that I confess the Word, the reason that I do, is to change the way that I think so that faith arises in my heart and then when I say something by faith, I get the same results that Jesus got when He spoke things by faith. He only spoke what Father told Him to speak. See, a lot of people that have been, that have like been on the outskirts kind of viewing faith and confession have always thought that faith and confession is about... If I confess something enough, it's going to change my circumstances around me. It's not. It's not. See, if, if I, I can remember, man, I, I hated math. Whew, I hated math in school. Man, I hated math. I'm going to say it again. I hated math. I hated math. I hated math. Hated math. I hated it. But to play golf, I had to pass. <laughs> so I made sure that I got over my hatred toward math and I began to like math. And then things got easier and so on and so forth. But when I was learning math, I had to hear it, I had to study it, I had to talk about it, I had to get the principles of the certain, you know, whatever it was I was going through, whether it was algebra, geometry, I had to get the principles on the inside. And they're not going to come just because you went and heard the teacher. Now some people are that way, I guess they're that sharp, I just wasn't. It wasn't enough for me to just hear the teacher. I had to meditate on it. I had to talk about it. I had to do the problems. I had to work at it. I had to get help to do it and all that. And over time, it's something that I really liked. I mean, I really didn't like it. But over time, when I got good at it, I began to like it. Why didn't I like it? Because I wasn't good at it. Why? Because I told myself I wasn't. And when I began to understand it, because I spent time in it, it began to make sense. Well, it's no different in the kingdom of God. There are things that you've got to learn about the Word that has got to become a part of you. And it can only happen in your relationship with God. But where it starts is changing what you say. That's where it starts. That's not where it finishes. That's just the beginning. If you don't like making confessions of the Word of God, you will never grow into the person God created you to be. Because you will, you, I, I can tell Randy, you know what Randy, you, you, you need to do this and you need to do that. And God said this about you and he said that about you. But at the end of the day, you know who Randy believes? Randy. See, and if Randy doesn't change the way he thinks, and he's always depending on me. Notice, notice, It didn't say in John 14, he didn't tell Randy to go get Pastor Bert to help him guard his heart. 
Now, I didn't say we can't help each other. Yeah, we can help each other. That's what we're here. We believe in helping each other. But at the end of the day, if you're not guarding your heart, the devil will overrun you and overtake you and keep you defeated all the time. I promise you, you will be defeated. You'll live a defeated life if we don't do something on our own with guarding our heart, and it starts with what we say out of our mouth. I'll tell you what, it's... Through my life, I've noticed this, and I thank God for his mercy and his grace for me. And there's been times when I got tired of confession or I got tired of listening to the word, listening to the preached word, and I'd get tired of it, and I didn't spend enough time doing that, and I allowed myself to just maybe watch another movie or another this or listen to this thing or that thing. And at different times in my life, I allowed that to happen. But every single time that I came back to the discipline of being under the word and having more word coming in than I had anything else coming in, that, I mean, God wants you to enjoy life. And I tell you what, when you got the word in your life, you can watch a movie and get something spiritual out of it. I'm telling you, you can watch movies and, and amazing things come out of it when you don't allow the things of the world to take precedence over the entrance of his word. The entrance of his word is what brings light and life. Amen? Amen? Not just any information. The, the, the only difference in the Webster's Dictionary and this is this has the potential for life and the Webster's doesn't. The Webster's will define things from here, but it doesn't have the potential pr- to produce life. This does, but it only will if it gets in my heart. And it's my job to guard my heart and not let my heart be troubled. Because the trouble in the world, and there's a bunch of trouble in the world, the trouble in the world wants to run roughshod over you and convince you that we have no hope. There's people all over this country that believe there's no hope in America. There's no hope for America. And I, I promise you right now, the Republican candidate for president was just voted in last night and that's Donald Trump he is not the hope of America Hillary Clinton who will be voted in next week for the Democrats is not the hope of America Jesus Christ in you in the form of relationship is the hope for America and that's why the world that I live in that I frame by the, world, the word of God, even though I live in this world, I'm not of this world. And the world I live in, I live in what I frame by the word of God out of my mouth every single day. And if I don't do that and I don't believe in it, then I'm not framing my thinking to not be moved by what I see, even though I have to live in the midst of it. Notice the scripture didn't say, man, in the last days, trouble's coming, and you better find a place to hide. He didn't say that. Huh. If you read on in that Second Timothy 3, Paul says, many of the persecutions that come against the righteous, but my God, this is Paul saying it, but my God delivered me from all of them. All of them. All of them. Only if you do your part. And what's that? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. You know what that says to me? I've got to spend more time making sure that my heart is not contaminated with the world. So I can have thoughts and ideas. I can enjoy life. And I'm not talking about being stuffy and all those kind of things. God knows the world that we live in. But you know what? Whatever is allowed in your life or not allowed in your life should be between you and God only. Only. Not somebody telling you, well, you can't do that. Well, you know, as a Christian, you shouldn't be watching something like that. Well, who made you God? Hmm? Who made you my authority? He's the authority. You know? Now, if you come and ask me if you should be watching a specific thing, now I'm gonna, I'll tell you my opinion, but at the end of the day, it's between you and God. Did you hear me? Huh? At the end of the day, it's you praying for yourself, it's you guarding your heart, and it's you not allowing things to contaminate your life. And listen to me, if I have a non-contaminated heart, 
If Randy's got a need, do you think I'm better off helping him in his need when I have no contamination? Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. And you know what? When you're contaminated free and you're fear free, see, you're so open to help other people. See, it's not about, well, you know, did you help enough people? That, no, it's not that. Hmm. And people get mad at you if you don't help them. Oh, my gosh. Well, you didn't, pr- you didn't pray for me. Well, the Bible said for you to pray. The Bible said for you to pray. Now, we can pray and help each other and be in agreement. That's what we do. We do that as a church. We, w- we want to be in agreement and, and those kind of things. But at the end of the day, what are you doing with your heart and how are you praying so that you can be a blessing, not you always being the victim because people didn't do things for you? Okay. So, I'm almost done. I have to be. <laughs> um, so, so <clears throat> think about this tonight. look at these couple of verses that talk about the position that you and I need to be in. Matthew 7 and verse 7. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. I don't know about you, but that's an absolute two verses of Scripture that you and I need to understand how real that that is. Notice, who's he talking to? If I'm reading that, he's talking to me. Jesus is talking to me, telling me, ask and it'll be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. To the person who does it. Notice, it wasn't a group effort. You know why? Because at the end of the day, at the end of this life, when you're done here, the Bible's very clear. I'm picking on Randy tonight. The Bible is very clear at the end of time here, in this dispensation of time, It's not, it won't be my wife and I standing before God. It won't be me and someone else standing before God. It'll be me and Jesus. It'll be me and him before the Father. And he's the one that died for me. But when I stand before the Father, what I'm going to be held accountable for is what I did with what I knew. See, it's not going to be me and... 14 other people and the whole prayer group and everybody's going to be, we're going to all be gathered around. No, that's why so many scriptures talk about the individual, the person. What do I do? What am I called to do? What what are you doing with your heart? How are you asking for things and believing to receive those things? That's what he's saying right there. Look at um, just a few pages over in the 18th chapter. It says something that's similar and I'm almost done in the 18th chapter and the 18th verse. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done. Everybody say, it will be done. So, so the power of agreement, okay, Now, think about this, all right? Just give me an honest answer. Uh, You don't have to say it out loud, but just think it, and I'll I'll, I'll pick it up. Mm. Anyway, okay? So what any two agree concerning anything that they ask, it will happen, okay? Now, I love Randy. Let me have your hand. Randy and I pray. We've prayed a lot of times, and we've prayed about specific things. We've seen things manifest and come to pass. And I love this guy, okay? But would I, would I rather be in agreement with Randy or Jesus? Now, he tells us to pray and be in agreement here. But at the end of the day, 
He knows me better than I know myself, right? And when he reveals to me about what to ask for and what to pray about, and he and I are in agreement, nothing can stop it. That's all he's looking for. He's looking for you and I to get in agreement with him. That's where the power is. I'm not, I'm not shying away from this because we need, to, we need to find agreement all the time. But just praying and just having somebody else pray is not always where the power is because if there's no belief going on in that, saying a bunch of words isn't going to produce a lot of results. Jesus and me, Jesus and you are a majority. Or this gospel isn't true. And that's not right. This word is true. Can you say amen? John 14 and verse 12. Just a couple more of these and I'm done. John 14 and 12. <clears throat> Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, consider it done. What does that mean? That means you can just ask for whatever? No, you ask whatever is the will of God. So in my relationship with God, I, I begin, because I'm confessing the word over myself on a daily basis, my mind is being renewed. I'm able to hear his voice in a greater way. Then I know what to ask for. And when I ask what he's telling me to ask for, boom, it comes to pass. Done. That was life. In the name of Jesus. Whatever I ask, I can receive. Can you say amen? I mean, that, that's good news. Whatever I ask. Listen, listen, this thing, this thing about. Ah, I'm just going to leave that. Okay? And then Mark 11, and I'll end with this. Mark 11 and verse 23. And whenever you stand praying, whenever you. No, no, no. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, okay, so, so this is the way I read this, okay? This is me reading it for myself. For assuredly, Bert, I say this to you. Whenever you tell a mountain of any kind, not, just, not, not a natural mountain, but a mountain to be removed, he said, Whenever you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your where? Heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because that's where the power comes from. And he said, he said, and does not doubt in his heart, but when, when you believe, Bert, that those things that you say will be done, you will have everything that you say. Everything that I say, when, when what I say is what he told me to say when I have a relationship with him like that when he tells me to say something then I'm gonna have what he said and then he said in verse 24 he said therefore I say to you whatever things you ask when you pray believe you receive them and you'll have those things done finished but the process of believing that what we do and say is where the relationship comes from. See, the relationship comes out of, and I've, I've told you this before, and, and I'll, I'll end with this, but there's five things that you need in your life that you need to draw and develop from on, on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. You need to be speaking the Word, you need to be praying the Word at different times. I'm not talking about all of these all the time. Sometimes you'll do some more than others. But the confession of the Word is vital. You need to be, you need to be confessing the Word. You need to be praying the Word. You need to be reading and meditating the Word. 
You, you need to be um, hearing the word preached in your life, and, and you need the time of meditation on the word. And those five things are what you've got to spend time developing so that your relationship is real, so that your faith can be high, so that no fear can have a place in your life. See, fear doesn't have place when faith has risen and it's been developed. But these five things are a part of my life, and and there's certain times that I read and study the Word more than I pray the Word. But then there's other times when I'm praying the Word more than I am studying the Word. I I mean, I'll study at times, but, but I'm spending more time praying the Word. But I'm telling you, what I do all the time is confess the Word every single day. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to believe what you tell me. I'm going to believe what I think. And same with you. And if you're not renewing your mind on a day-to-day basis with the Word of God, then other ideas, other things from the past, what other people think is so, will affect the way that you think and how you will believe. And it will affect the results in your life. And I'm telling you, the world is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God in the earth and, and the only way that's going to happen, the only way that fear will not be a part of us is that faith is rising and our trust and confidence in God is rising and that no matter what the world is doing, no matter what it looks like out here, we will not allow our hearts to be troubled. And I tell you, it's a full-time job. Whatever your natural job is, that's nothing compared to this job. This is full-time. It's all the time and it never takes a rest. You ever noticed, sometimes you can go on vacation, and when you come home, you need a vacation from your vacation because it was so bad, because we wanted to take a break from everything. You can't take a break from the Word. You can't take a break from your relationship with God because the devil's out there in your vacation. I wish he wasn't, you know. She didn't like to water ski. But he does. You've got to stay connected. Amen?